0: Hey, welcome back to A Person From Every Country. It's been far too long. Um, I've been back at home working to save up some money so I can travel again, and uh, meet more potential guests. This episode actually features a conversation I had a couple months ago with a woman named Stepanka Koritova. Uh, Stepanka is from the Czech Republic, formerly Czechoslovakia. Uh, Stepanka and I actually met when I studied abroad. She was a professor for Semester at Sea. She teaches for Colorado State University. She's a professor there. And she has a lot of life experience. Um, there's a lot to take away from this one. She grew up uh, in Prague um, and was a little girl and has memories of when the Soviet Unions rolled in uh, during the summer of 1968 and occupied her city. Um, and she also... Talked a lot about why she wanted to leave her country at that time and and all those different factors. And she actually ran away, uh, immigrated to Southampton, England, and eventually came to the United States. So she details her life through the lens of an immigrant. She's got a lot of life experience. She has a lot to share. Um, So, a really great interview. Uh, If you don't have a lot of time in the day to uh, listen to this podcast, You can always change your speed to 1.5 or 1.25 just to make it a little bit quicker. Shave off a couple minutes, but you don't want to miss it. I promise it is worth your time. So without further ado, let's get into it. Coming up next, a person from the Czech Republic. Stavanka? Yes I am. All right let's do it. So I'd like to start with your childhood and I want to know what was it like growing up in Prague uh, in the 1960s and maybe we'll talk about your life before the Soviet Union invaded but what sticks out? Uh, Take us back to your life as a kid.
1: So I was born in Prague and um, I was born into um, what could be considered a intellectual family so my dad was a university professor he worked with um she would turn out to be a nobel prize um, winner in polarography which is a branch of chemistry my mom was um, an equivalent of sort of high school slash undergraduate um, university uh, school which is which should be secondary education um, and she was she was an English and um, French teacher, language and um, so you know surrounded by lots of books and um, um, foreign visitors, which you would kind of not expect. Maybe you know thinking of growing up behind the Iron Curtain.
0: What type of foreign visitors?
1: So they were, you know, from. Around the world, because, because my dad, I think, was fairly good in his field in electrochemistry. And so there would be people from, uh, you know, Japan, a lot of friends, uh, people from US and France and, you know, different European countries, Russia, Soviet Union, I mean, as well. And plus, mom, my mom always, and you know, they were, uh, they spoke other languages. So, uh, you know, I was kind of exposed to um, basically international culture. I think that was growing up. So it, uh, we had always nice holidays. Um, not really anywhere like where people go now, but it was U- Yugoslavia, which was you know the country that doesn't exist anymore, or to the mountains because uh, there were quite lovely mountains when because I grew up in Czechoslovakia, which doesn't exist anymore because the country split up in 93. And so we would go maybe skiing. And so it was really fairly nice, except um, maybe for the fact that uh, uh, my dad had a lot of extramarital affairs. <laughs> and the reason why I mentioned it probably not uh, really that useful, but it ultimately led, I think, to my one of the reasons why I emigrated uh, at the age of twenty one so um so growing up um so school starts when you're six years old, and then the mandatory education goes on until you're fifteen. And it's somewhat different than maybe especially in u s and maybe maybe well England is similar, but that you stay with your class, which is usually on the average about 30 kids, um, and you just, the teachers come and teach their subjects, and um, so you really get to know the people that you're in in the class with. Um, the education, um, to, at the age of, I think, actually um, fourth grade, we had to take Russian, uh, there was no option to take English uh, or English or Latin or German or French or other languages at that time so the Russian was really um, kind of pushed off far did it... you,
0: how far did you get to as far as being able to to speak what level
1: well you had to have Russian really all the way through your as as long as you went to different to schools to you know that mandatory and then there' a post this mandatory gymnasium, which is from the age of 15 to 18 or 19, depending. So again, Russian was there, but there you could already uh, add English or German, and I think there was also a possibility of Latin. And then at university, no Russian continued. and. Um, it was also, also something that kind of speaks to the period between before 68 and, you know, that continue after 68, was that sort of civic education, which was very tendacious, tendacious but very sort of prejud- prejudice and very sort of propaganda-like, um, you know. The, so was it
0: like that in a lot of uh, of those Eastern European countries where Russian is kind of being something that is, you need to learn this because of the Soviet Union influence at the time, or was that th- just...
1: Think so, you know. Of course, you learned about Russian culture as well, and uh, and uh, you know. So, of course, you know we were quite then familiar with Russian composers and on Soviet composers and Soviet and Russian uh, authors as well. Um, I. Um,
0: if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable answering, what? How did? Your dad's affair affect you personally as a girl I mean were you aware of that at the time or did that have any negative consequences
1: oh definitely you know because um he yeah you know my mom was really sad about it obviously and was quite visible on her behavior and so uh I think when I was probably, you know, there was a time when he left completely and he was gone for um, maybe half a year and uh, maybe just kept in touch with my sister. Um, she was always kind of, I think she was, he wasn't unable to hide the fact that he had high expectation of her rather than of me. And there are I, I never I never understood and you know we can come back to that later why that was but I definitely felt the preferential treatment of her. Uh, so yeah, his infidelities really were uh definitely, definitely affected uh um the family. But I um but that that will that became uh, much worse when I was a teenager you know after we came back from England Um, so you know my parents had eventually divorced and um, but before my father decided to do that you know he would couldn't decide how he would leave and then he would come back again and um, uh, he yeah and then Okay, he he married somebody else, and you know my mom tried to commit suicide, and um, I was there because my sister was already gone; she was living with uh, her future husband. So it was it was really a difficult time. I was trying to support her. We didn't have much money, and but eventually he got divorced, and my parents came back, and I couldn't deal with it anymore so i i left when i was 21 it was just too much so it was political reasons and personal reasons um but um yeah then they remarried after i was already gone
0: thanks for sharing that um so when you're i feel like i have a good sense of your childhood now um and as that reform is starting to happening in, in your country and in in Prague at that time. Now let's go to uh, August of 1968. And through your eyes, you're a 12 year old girl. Um, I know you, you mentioned that you guys are already kind of getting ready to leave, but you know, the Soviet union invades. I mean, what thoughts are going through your head? What emotions are you feeling? And bringing back to that 12 year old you and how you're kind of, seeing all of this
1: well you know with the events leading up to it it was really exciting because there were demonstrations there were all kinds of congresses conferences held with writers um, leaders you know prominent leaders of politics and culture who were interested in this reform uh, movement again students were involved and I was really, I was just, I was going to become a journalist because I was just so much interested in the news, which is, I think, quite unusual for a 12 year old, but that was how I saw myself as a journalist. And why so, do you think you
0: saw yourself that way?
1: I was, but I was just really interested. I, I thought, you know, journalism is, journalist is the thing to be because you write about this exciting, uh, about these exciting things happening in your country. And you could see, you know, there was so much energy in the air. And I remember August, there was the night of August, and my father kept looking up in the sky and seeing, you know, he he just imagined that there were uh, planes flying and that something is about to happen. And he listened to the radio and he kept he kept saying, oh, you know, they're playing this really serious stuff like Beethoven uh, Fifth Symphony, I think. Uh, so uh, he he just kind of really saw that there was something uh, bad going to happen, and I think he was the he wasn't the only one. There were lots of people. So that you know, the the Soviet uh, government in in Moscow is not going to let because they were already signed that there were. Um, the leaders there were not happy about what was happening in Czechoslovakia. And so on the eve of the invasion, there were always news that I would be listening to at 10 p.m. And I remember to this day that the broadcaster was saying, oh, there's a meteorite that's going to probably fall somewhere. I don't know whether on the Czechoslovak territory or somewhere that could do some damage. But but any kind of meteorite is not going to upset this trend towards democratization of the country. And so it was 10 o'clock and at 4 a.m. I woke up and went to my parents' bedroom and said, I can't sleep. And my mom said, we, we are, we are invaded. So at 4 a.m., you know, the t- tanks rolled in and, you know, there were the planes and, in the morning, you could see machine guns, which is an experience that you don't want to experience in your life. And, Were you scared? Um, yes, because you know people. Uh, people didn't know. I mean, you know, there was uh, you know there was the f- broadcasting from. I don't think we had television at that point, um, but you know, from the radio, the broadcasters the journalists were trying to last as long as they could then they I think left the Prague studio and went elsewhere and kept you know broadcasting news um, of the invasion as much as they could from the streets and elsewhere but you know it's usually that the media you know in that at that time, it was the radio. That's where, you know, if you want to occupy a country, you want to make it impossible for people to hear the news. Or So, you know, I think that's, um, so that's where they went elsewhere so that they could continue with the broadcasts and they were bringing news to inform people. And I think it was the day or two days after, maybe a little bit later, we had a cat, and we needed to. We had arranged that the cat, while we would leave for the year in England, we had to we we would leave it with this person, and so we had to go downtown. And so I went. So I think it was my mother, I and the cat. I'm not sure about my sister, and we had to go on a. I think the tram, trams, so the public transportation was working, so we went to the Winslow Square, and that's where we saw the tanks. So it was difficult, uh, and, um, you know, for some reason the armies decided to, I think they probably got it wrong, but they started to, um, bullets into the National Museum, which is kind of at the top of the main square, thinking that it must be something else because, you know, why would you want to, um, um, shells into that kind of building it had no strategic meaning and um yeah it was it 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 was really really difficult
0: so for time purposes i'd like to skip ahead to maybe you could very briefly touch on this but you from you leave prague and you go to england and then you come back i'm really curious upon your return uh what what you're experiencing coming back now that it, it's been um occupied for a bit longer and then just that nine year period I know you mentioned censorship to me, but what was that nine years like uh you know after coming back from England um while the Soviets there with that influence in and, and all those different factors
1: So we left in August and came back um maybe May. Um, what happened was um, at at school, um, I would always, and that unfortunately again stayed with me to this day, that I always feel, um, you know, personally maybe about my personal relationships, I'm not very brave in speaking my mind out. But when it comes to politics or social issues, I always tend to speak my mind, and you know, got me into troubles. So it, it's, at school, I would say, "Oh, um, I would maybe there would be um, some kind of a display, and I would come up and sort of put uh, photographs of the previous leaders of the '68 leaders on the, on, the, on the notice board, and they had to come back down right away." Wow. And, And there were similar things happening because I just, I just didn't real, no, I think I realized that things have changed, but I, I didn't want to accept it. And so, you know, the teacher would come home and say, you know, she would meet with my mother behind closed doors and then my mother would tell me, well, you know, you can't do this sort of stuff. And, but I, I just didn't want to accept it. And um, so every time they would, especially it happened during the, the civic education, uh, I would say, but you know, this is not, this is not how it, things are, This th- things are differently. And, you know, I would also speak from my experience in England, and you know, not that things are wonderful in England, in, in every respect, you know, there are problems too, But I would say that you got it wrong when you speak about countries like England, because, um, you know, (laughs) I don't know exactly what examples I would give, but I would, it wouldn't be continuous, but when I, I would sort of maybe think, oh no, I, I, you know, internally I would think, oh no, this is not right what they're saying. And it would sort of, I would reach kind of certain point and I would just say, okay, enough, I have to speak out and so um you know that really uh, just was not a good idea in order to um you did know did you ever in do
0: did you ever speak out uh outside of a of a school setting did you ever you know really toe that line of seriously getting in trouble during those 9 years
1: um well yeah well yes because you know you um uh, as as the time went on you would have so not maybe out well yes I would i might have done something out, out of the school as well maybe go um, so for example um, uh, well there were two things happening so as the time went on you know from 68 the the people who were Against Prague Spring, who were really in the this sort of pro-occupation regime, because you know Czechoslovakia was basically an occupied country by not by everybody from the Warsaw Pact, by I think by the Soviet Soviet soldiers. Um, so who were sort of, sort of who was who sided with the new government, um, and and you you would have. Uh, people at school like this, you know. I told you, I I said that you kind of were not stuck, but you were always the same. People were in the class, in in your class with you. You didn't sort of mingle too much, so you you would always have maybe in my my uh, situation, maybe up to five students who. Where either for career purposes or, for, they were, or they were really believed in, you know, that Sprague Spring was wrong. Um, so they were in these youth organizations. So they would really be snitches, you know, and so if you said something, you know, they would pass along the information or they would um, tell you, oh, so you want to do this, you want to participate in this competition, but but you're not really going with us, you know, with the new politics. You're against it. You're critical on this. So of this. So, for example, I was um, three three guys and I were participating in this communica- uh, this um, competition, and we were we were. Um, we were really good at it and we sort of kept getting, you know, winning the Prague um, competition and then the whole national competition and and then we won. But we were not members of this sort of youth organization, so there was a problem. Because we, um, uh, so, you know, what do they do now? So they said, well, you either become members and um, because otherwise, you know, we can't award you with whatever you want, and it was a trip to Soviet Union. Um which was kind of in I think it just sounded interesting. And so you know eventually um uh, but these people who were the snitches who were the sort of pro sixty eight uh sorry sorry against sixty eight so they say no we, you can't make become members because you don't believe in our sort of in our vision of the world and so but eventually, you know, we unfortunately have to acknowledge the fact that we did Become then members of this sort of youth organization. I suppose we wanted to get the award because it was a big deal, and you know we wanted to visit the Soviet Union, and so you know things things like that. Where um, it was it was difficult. Uh, I think you know, um, and it was I think you know one of the reasons why I just said you know I just don't want to be there together with the family. Um, situation uh, with my father so it sort of all led to and i just i think i saw the west uh, by now with rose rose spectacles because you know things were not that difficult in 68 although you know we did sometimes have didn't have much money but still um i thought that you know if i do go someplace else such as in England, that's what I had in mind. I, um, you know, things will be much better, but you know, I was kind of wrong.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, let's get to your immigration. Um, talk about immigrating to England and what your experience was like. And we're, by the way, were you scared leaving everything behind?
1: You know, I, yes, it was difficult. So, I was 21. Um, and I didn't tell anybody, nobody knew, um, but I, I, managed to get a permission to leave for, which was, it was, it was difficult. Uh, I managed to leave, um, for, you know, the permission was to stay in England for three weeks and I left by myself. And when you say, when you England. say
0: nobody knew, do you mean your family didn't know? Your friends, you just, you were out?
1: No, no, I really didn't didn't, didn't tell anybody uh wow. because
0: So how did you go about yeah, leaving? Did I, you were you living with your parents when you left?
1: I think I probably at that maybe spent some days uh packing my suitcases uh at home. Uh but um so uh anyway, I uh so I left and um so I didn't, didn't tell anybody and got on a train and you know, crossing the border was very nerve wracking because I thought, well, you know, how how come if they sort of think that that I that I am leaving for some reason and for for reason to stay. And so I packed packed really carefully not to take anything that would so I no diplomas, you know, nothing that would um just, you know, enough clothes for three weeks. And so then arriving in England, I think, you know, after, very quickly I tell the people um, that I knew that and I was staying with them. You know, I'm, I have no intention of returning. And I don't think they really tried to persuade me to go back and they, um, they were actually trying to help me. Um, there was an incident where... A Bulgarian journalist in London was killed. Somebody brushed against him with a, uh, an umbrella that had some kind of toxic liquid in it, and he died. And I thought, "Oh my goodness, if if something like that happens to me, that so I, I was really scared. And also, you know, I had I had limited amount of money, and so also I had to deal with. Um, With the, I don't know whether I straight away or after a while, I uh, informed the Czechoslovak embassy in London that I wasn't coming back or that I received a letter from them. I don't know exactly how it was. But you know, even the British authorities, they were not exactly welcoming. I, I imagine that they thought, oh, you know, somebody who's actually able to get over the quote unquote Iron Curtain you know surely that would be easy and you know they really didn't want me there um they said you know try maybe go back to go to germany or go to israel you know they they might take you i don't know why they said israel because um but uh maybe they they would be more open so it was difficult you know i was just in the end i was helped by amnesty international uh so that i could stay there and get a permanent residency but I, um, I mean, they didn't deport me. But it was very strange. So it was 1978. Um, and then, you know, how do I make money? So, uh, you know, I just was a student at university, although I always did odd jobs, you know. Back in Czechoslovakia, I was in a bakery, shop assistant, and so on, you know, while I was studying, but there, you know, the student life was not happening. Obviously, I didn't go to school, um, so I started working. You know, at first I was cleaning in a medical school, at a, cleaning around rats that were probably there for experiments. I was a barmaid. I was a shop assistant. Um, so that first year, I think the first. Y- Half a year, I really regretted leaving, but I couldn't because things moved very quickly. Uh, you know, I was sentenced to 18 months imprisonment uh, in absentia. and But I really struggled because. Um,
0: if you would have gone back, there, you would have been I would in have prison gone to for 18 prison. months?
1: Yeah, that was. Um, wow.
0: So, so what, I want to go back to your original plan here for a second. So, how long before you left without telling anybody did you how long before you left did you know that you were going to do that and did i mean did you write any letters to your parents um and you did you end up finding out what their reaction was after you had just left
1: i had to make this really difficult phone call uh from england and it was you know i I'm a sort of, I'm a procrastinator, and so I delayed and delayed, and it was really, I think, two days before I was due to to return. And even, even now, it's difficult to say it. In such a long time ago, I called home and talked to my mother, and I said, you know, I'm not coming back. And she... Um, there was a bad line you know they probably listened to the conversation anyway so, so it was a bad line and she said oh we're looking forward we'll, to to seeing you, we'll meet you and I said no I'm not coming back and you know there was this sort of um, trailing the, the, her voice kind of trailed and she just couldn't understand I think and it was you know I hung up because I couldn't it was difficult for me um, so you know this 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 was really it's really hard that first year trying to kind of be independent um, and really having you know I couldn't really afford uh, great housing I was just in this room where I was cold all the time there was hardly any heat I think I you know there was this sort of machine where you just put in coins. Uh, in order to get heat, and that was the only heat you had. And these jobs were really just (laughs) totally uninspiring. I was just, you know, I think there were these times when I thought, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? And so it was hard. Um, And, you know, my friends were kind of the generation of my parents. And so, you know, I... Maybe didn't have always so much to, um, tell them, tell, talk to them about. And I think people of my age, you know, I didn't see too many of them. And I think my English wasn't fast enough. And also, I wasn't trendy and cool enough, I think, too, for that, for my generation of English people. You know, many of them smoke marijuana. And also I was always scared because I thought, oh, I'll get deported if I smoke. And so it was hard. It was hard. I know it seemed like not, there are not many people in my situation. So I think didn't get much empathy.
0: What do you think got you through that time? Because that does sound very overwhelming and confusing. And you're dealing with a lot of uh, different things. You left your family and your friends and you're just trying to, to to scrape by. What got you out of that? And what did you learn from that whole whole time in your life?
1: Well, people now, you know, call me a survivor. But I, I almost don't like that word because survivor. Sometimes, you know, resilience or uh, persistent, And sometimes you're just exhausted from being... A survivor, especially that label is—I don't know—survivor. I suppose I am, but um, I sometimes I wish my life were a little bit easier. You know, I've seen lots of countries, but I think uh, what got better is after half a year, um, I was beginning to inquire about whether I could uh, go back to university, and there was some talk about there was some consideration that maybe I could go into a second year, that they would count the years that I had in Prague at Charles University, that I could go study geography. And then I thought, no, I really don't want to study geography now that I have an opportunity to actually study what I want. Um, I want to do modern history or politics. and so. Uh, but the problem was that um so because by that time by the year i would have been a resident for a year paid taxes and so i think i was eligible for uh, domestic uh, tuition um which was less than for to, for foreign students but so that was less and then i was also fortunate to be able to um get a scholarship i think i think i got a scholarship for all 3 years so that but the scholarship only covered the tuition so i still had to continue being a waitress or a barmaid or whatever i had to do so you know when i then afterwards look at my essays that i wrote just really quite bad, but anyway, I, I did. I was accepted at Southampton University as an undergraduate to study modern European and American history. Um, met some, you know, again was sort of with my, um, with my, with the people of my age. Uh, somebody spotted me, or maybe I started talking to somebody about volleyball, and I, I actually was on a university volleyball team. And that, I think, was really changed my mind because it's a very international community. We travelled around England, excuse me, to play games, and we were quite good. So it was together, men's team and women's team, and there were parties, and they were very, very supportive. And so I think volleyball and together, with being able to study finally what I wanted to study, was great. Um, um, so. You know, that uh, my undergraduate degree time, my, my undergraduate years were really good in Southampton.
0: So, how long did you stay in England for? How many years?
1: So, that was the year when I worked, and then three years after of undergraduate degree. And then I think it was in um, my third year, I was contacted by my distant relatives who had visited Czechoslovakia before. And you know, while I still was there, and I when I was about fifteen, I traveled with them and was their interpreter. And they said, "Well, you know, it's tough for you to live in England. Why don't we will help you to be a student, to for you to study in um, in U.S.?" And um, I think that cousin was had some administrative job at Pomona College in California. So she said, oh, you could study here. Um, but, you know, getting a visa, a student visa from U.S. was really difficult because um they didn't see, okay, you know, she will come and then she will not leave the U.S. because she's poor. <laughs> she doesn't earn much money. So in the end, um it took really, I think, four years before the immigration, U.S. immigration, was uh accepting... The, they basically these these the relatives sponsored me as an immigrant as somebody who is going to help them in their household and but then you know by that time, I wasn't quite sure whether I really wanted to live in England. I was kind of settled, but having this sense of adventure that I always have you know there's a new opportunity, so I decided to go to u s and kind- and you know get accept my green card um you know, sometimes I had regrets about doing this because England is, you know, close to Europe. And, you know, after when I was given amnesty after seven years and I was able to go back, um I thought perhaps... And I always loved England, well, Britain. Anyway, to um, have friends there. And I do like the English or British way of life. But anyway, the decision was made. And so... I moved to the United States.
0: So, what year did you move to the U.S.? Would that have been early '80s? '82.
1: '82.
0: So, have you once you moved to the U.S. Just looking up until now, have you been living in the U.S. this entire time, or did you live anywhere else between?
1: No, um, I no, I. So in '82, I started masters at University of Nebraska in history um so that masters took two years so why nebraska we, uh, because um by then this person who worked in pomona college moved to nebraska and so she she thought you know come to nebraska and so this is i don't, I don't know so she probably talked to people there because it was now it's it's University of Nebraska is in Lincoln and in Kearney, so it was in Kearney, Nebraska. And so... Um, so you went from they,
0: London to Kearney, Nebraska. I bet that was... It wasn't,
1: uh, it wasn't in London, it was Southampton, but yes, it was a bit of a Southampton, excuse me. Yeah, a yeah. bit of an adjustment. So, <laughs> quite an adjustment, yes. But it was still... Um, it, it, it wasn't bad.
0: Um, I have a couple of just general life questions I'd like to ask you. Now that we're nearing the end, but before we get to that, I mean, you mentioned something about an FBI visit. What what was that whole story about, and 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 how did that happen?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I was still um, under this, you know, it was well before the amnesty, um, so I couldn't really go back, but um, I was in Lincoln in Nebraska. It was probably 19... 19- 8485 uh where i just got this phone call i think you no know, it was definitely before emails were, methods of communications um you know where uh, where do you live and i need to see you so um i said <laughs> and you know, who are you <laughs> oh i am you know i am from federal bureau of investigation and we need to talk to you and I said, oh, gosh, how how come you don't know where I live, <laughs> you know? And so, um, yes, yeah, so I had a very unpleasant, of course, you know, I didn't want to say no, because I probably, I, I mean, I had nothing to hide. But um, so, you know, I can't remember, I want to say Eric Larson, but I'm not sure whether that's the correct name. Came and had a long, very unpleasant conversation, and um, you know, I said, you know, what, what do I do? I, I mean, I'm not a citizen, so you know, the the Times Civil Liberties Union, nobody couldn't help me. Though they, you know, we only help citizens. Um,
0: so what did this guy want? He just wanted to know why you were in the United States.
1: I think he wanted to know. He probably just thought that I was a spy and. You know, this sort of suspicion was not only coming out of um, people like FBI, members of FBI, but also the Czech community. I really, I almost didn't, I was really avoiding people who were immigrants like me because I think they were suspicious of me. How could you leave? How were you, how come you were able to leave? And I was also wondering, so just recently I thought, back about these, you know, the seventy, late 70s and 80s, you know, some of the emigrant community also, there may have been some snitches, you know, so uh, I always, i never been, you know, people said, oh, you know, there's a Czech person, would you like to meet them? And I would say, not really, you know, this is, I left Czechoslovakia, so why would I be looking for a Czech person? You know, so right. that was probably not very nice, but, but yeah
0: wow that is that was a crazy story um i think i got three questions left for you question number one what would you say is you don't have to stick with one but what are a couple of the biggest life lessons that you've learned that really stick out to you
1: so how Im- that it's really important to <laughs> grow up in a nurturing, um, nature if you, you know, in nurturing environment where people tell you that they love you and um, you know they that you're really important to them. And I sort of, I very much because I didn't get much of it and I very much regret not saying it to my son who uh, yeah that you know has been estranged for 12 years and what happened uh, with yours
0: what happened with your son and where is he
1: oh he's a very successful uh, person person um He's brilliant, he lives in Chicago, and I believe he's, a, I mean, I he, know no, he's a lawyer and he's, he's wonderful. Um, yeah, I think, you know, why, yeah, and I probably, the second second lesson is connected to this. Um, I wish we could forgive, forgive each other for some of the things that we didn't do, maybe not always intentionally and so you know there's so many other lessons you know um um so you know this is so anyway um yeah so I regret that I didn't give him all the love that he probably wanted and number three I think I will stick to my I think it's necessary to speak out uh and kind of live in truth. You know, this probably sounds too dramatic, but, um, although I you know I always, I pay consequences many times and, um, uh, I think it is really important to speak out because if you don't speak out, you know, it's, um, how can you face yourself in the mirror too? So I don't think I'll regret that I have said the things. Um, that I did, which, you know, if I see injustice or, um, yeah, anything. so, you know, it's a really important, the issue of social justice and fairness, um, I think is really important. And I'm, and I'm sure that I haven't always um, been that way, but it, at least it was my kind of motto that I always uh, wanted to um, adhere to. And, and as I said, you know, speaking out, definitely, I think we need to do that and live in truth.
0: And then last question. Um, I'm 24 years old currently, so I like to ask all my guests, what advice would you give uh, to me as a 24-year-old looking forward?
1: Uh it's hard because i don't think i have done things really well in my life you know i i know it's it's a waste of energy to have regrets um, so but i think i will go along with um with probably this is not going to be maybe a, a, an unexpected advice but you know i think realize that um you're citizen of a country and that you care about the country enough to um let your voice be heard uh and you know that if if there is something that you don't like uh, that is happening in your community or in your state and in your country um you know that you join a movement or um, do something to make a change, and I think you know it's 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 easy to to say it like this, uh, um, but uh, you know it's it's much more difficult, of course, to put in practice. But I think uh, you know to be an active participant. Um, in your uh, in your community, and also I think to do meaningful jobs, and you know, so from my experience being an educator, I think it's tremendously important because you have influence, um, you engage in discussion, and you know, I, I of course I listen. I I learn from my students, but I also I think it's it's kind of goes both ways. So I'm hoping that you know I have some influence, not through propaganda, but through um, information and through you know challenging challenging them to think. So being having a meaningful occupation, whether it's you know if you can afford to be volunteer, if not you know having a meaningful occupation, um, a job that uh, is, um, has some impact, I think.
0: Well, keep that in mind. Uh, Stepak, thank you so much for sharing your story with me tonight. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to you. My reflection In the dirt